Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 10th of April 2016, entitled Caring Like Jesus Cares, and the Bible readings are taken from Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 to 38 and Luke chapter 10 verses 30 to 37. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Caring Like Jesus Cares. I'd like to, uh, we're just going to be reading a number of passages uh, this evening, uh, sharing some thoughts and really focusing in upon something that Jesus felt that moved him to action. And if Christ is real in our lives, it should move us to to action this evening. Uh, First of all, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, I invite you to stand for, to honor the reading of God's holy word. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Then in the Gospel of, of Luke, chapter 10, picking up in, in verse 30, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Our Father and our God, it is our great privilege to be able to approach your throne in prayer. And Lord, as we do so, we first of all praise you and thank you for the mercy, the compassion that you've had on us. Lord, that by your grace we might be called your children this evening. Now, Lord, as we look into your word over these next moments... 
Lord, we commit this time to you and pray, Lord, that you would take and speak to our hearts by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would make these words alive unto our hearts, not just to our heads. Help us, Lord, that we would all be moved by you for your power. Lord, that when we leave this place this evening, we might be more like our Savior than when we came. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And these two accounts and the one we find in the Gospel of Matthew, that it was Jesus himself that the Bible tells us very clearly when he saw the multitudes. Now, I want you to notice Jesus was busy. The Bible says he was going about all the, the cities and the villages. He was teaching them. He was healing their sickness. He was ministering to the needs of all these people in all of these cities and villages. But the Bible says when he saw the multitudes, the next words in the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them. Why was he moved with compassion? Because when he looked upon them, it says they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, if we know anything about sheep, we even use terms sometimes like being as, as dumb as a sheep uh, or as gentle as a sheep. And the reason is, is because they are such gentle creatures, but they are at the mercy of many of the more ferocious, powerful animals out there. When Jesus looked, he saw these people, they were, they were fainting and scattered abroad like sheep. Well, when a sheep gets away from the flock and he's out there, he's open to all the dangers of the world. And Jesus, the Bible says when he looked out there and he saw these people and he saw them in the same dangers that a sheep would be if he got away from his shepherd and he got away from the protection that was there to lead him to the green pastures where that he might feed, to protect him from the wild animals. The Bible says he had compassion on him. Now, the Bible uses this word compassion many times, and we're going to look at some of them, but when true compassion is felt in a person's heart, it does something. It moves an individual to do something. And it's this case here, we find that when Jesus was moved with compassion, when he saw them, it's like if you saw somebody that you cared for and you saw the immediate danger, that hurt that would come in you, that fear that would come in you, that you'd cry out, we've got to have help for them. And Jesus was moved to have his disciples to pray that God would please send help to help these people that were in such danger. And we find on the same token, that same compassion is what Jesus was talking about in the parable of the Good Samaritan that we read from the Gospel of Luke. And we find this one that had gotten in trouble. He was just, he was traveling, the Bible says, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and along came these thieves, and they pounced upon him, and they stripped him of his clothes, and they, they beat him, he was wounded. The Bible says, leaving him half dead. He was in serious condition. The first person the Bible says that came along and saw him was a priest. Now we all know a priest is a religious person. A priest is one that you would think would care. But the Bible says that when this priest saw this one 
even in his dire condition, he passed by on the other side. It's like you're, it's like when, you, when you're going down the road and, and you see somebody over there that's really hurting. You just want to get away from it as quick as you can. You don't even want to get near to it. He passed by on the other side. The second person that came along was a Levite. Now, who was a Levite? The Levite, again, was a very religious person. They were the ones in the temple and the tabernacle that, that took care of all the things. The things were made ready for them to be able to worship. And so this, this church leader comes along. First the priest has come by. He's gone by on the other side. And then this church leader comes along. And it says, now he did something different because the priest, when he saw him over there, he just stayed away from him. The church leader, when he sees him over there, he's more curious. The Bible says he goes over and he looks on him. But when he looks on him, sees him, even in this dire condition that he was in, what does it say? He looked on him and passed by on the other side. He just went on. Didn't do anything about it. But then there's this third person that comes along, and this one the Bible says was a Samaritan. Now, you have to understand, Jews and Samaritans were not friends in those days. <laughs> Hardly anybody's ever friends in the Middle East. <laughs> the Jews and the Samaritans certainly weren't friends in those days. They were frowned upon. And so here we find that this Samaritan comes along, which is an individual that you would think out of the three would be the one that would be the last one to get involved. I mean, these were two different cultures that didn't get along, two different cultures that didn't care for each other. This Samaritan comes by, though, it says... He came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion upon him. And it's interesting that because of that compassion, the Bible says he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, and he poured in oil and wine. He set him on his beast. He brought him to an end. He took care of him. And then the next day when he departed, he took out money from his pocket and he gave to the host at the end. And he told him, you take care of him. Whatever his needs are, I want them met. If it costs more than that, when I come back by, I'll pay it to you. Just take care of him. Caring like Jesus cares. We actually heard it. I thought it was kind of ironic. I thought the preacher was going to try to steal part of my sermon at the wedding ceremony yesterday because he actually talked about this thing of compassion for a few minutes later. He gave an illustration which, which I, I won't use that one because I, I know exactly what he was talking about. You know, what is it to feel compassion? When he used the illustration like when you're going down the road, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you. I'll tell you. When you're going down the road and you're in like a 30 mile per zone and you're doing about 60 and something that that light flashes. Oh, that hurt that you get way down deep inside. Because that's what compassion is for. I know what he's talking about because I've had that happen. And it's not a very good feeling, but I think compassion goes a lot, lot deeper than just a flash of that camera when you're speeding and you know, oh, I've done it now. I've got to find a pay. I'm going to have to pay that. And that may or may not cause you to slow down. But the thing is, the definition for the word compassion that's this front here means to feel, to yearn. It means to hurt from your innermost being. It's to hurt inside as deep as you can go. And I tried to stop and imagine. I said, Lord, what? When have I felt 
that kind of compassion. And I think probably there are a lot of things that we could illustrate, but for some of you that are parents, you know, I think some of the times that we probably hurt to our innermost being is when we've seen our children, especially when they're small, and we've seen them hurting, and we've seen them in trouble, and even when we've seen them at the point of death. You see, I can relate to that thing. I, I can remember, I can remember, you know, that it was tough for me to have any time that they were sick. When they started crying and you couldn't do anything to help them, it was like you just hurt inside and you wanted so bad to do something but couldn't. I remember when our second was in the hospital and he was only a few months old. They thought he had one of these fevers. Meningitis they thought that he had because he had the symptoms and everything. Well, they in fact put him inside of this oxygen tent. They took it, they kind of fastened his foot down flat so they could put an IV in because he was too small to get up here where he could get hold of it or anything. But he laid there inside of that tent, and I can still, to this day, I can remember that feeling when, when he was crying out. And we couldn't get him. We couldn't take him out of there because we knew that for his own good, he had to stay. But boy, that felt like hurt in my inner most being. I remember a similar thing when we, after some time back, we, we had an accident on the M6 and the children were small, they were running across the back seat and both these cars walked out. But I remember that, that feeling when suddenly after everything had quit happening in slow motion, and it was like that hurt inside that I was significantly afraid to look around to see if the kids might be hurt. The thing is, is it's hard for us to describe, folks. But the thing is, this is something that hurts so deep inside. It causes an action. It causes a reaction. I think that the Lord tried to describe it to us a little bit, and we're going to look at a few passages because I just want us to understand that this evening we can talk about caring, but we need to care like Jesus cared. We need to care to the point that we're willing, just like this Samaritan. You see, he cared like Jesus cared, and he took care of that man. And even when he had done everything he could do, he made sure somebody else was taken care of him. We find that it was Jesus when he was moved with compassion that he wanted the cares of those people. He saw them in danger and he said, we've got to pray and get more people to help them because he hurt down inside for them. Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, and I know I've read this passage before, but it's kind of like, you know, the preacher, the church called a new pastor, and he went to preach the sermon, and his first Sunday there, he preached from John 3.16. And he went back, and the next Sunday come along, and he got up and he announced his text, and he preached from John 3.16. The third Sunday rolled around, and he got up and he announced his text, and he preached from John 3.16. After about four or five Sundays of announcing his text of John 3.16, finally some of the church leaders came to him and said, Pastor, do you know any other places to preach at the Bible? Do you know any other passages to preach from? And he said, well, when we get this one, then we'll move to something else. <laughs> you know, so many times we can know them, and there's probably not a verse in the Bible that we could quote more than John 3.16. But sometimes when we read John 3.16, we turn to 1 John 3.16 as well. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In 1 John 3.16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we know the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. John 3.16, God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. 1 John 3.16, here's how we know the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus cared enough about us that he was willing to go to that cross and die for our sins. Die in our place. He loved us that much. The Bible says we know he loved us because he was willing to be hung on that cross and die for us. We ought to care for each other as much as Jesus cared for you. We ought to be willing to give our lives as necessary. Here he's talking about for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, but whoso hath the world's good. Now, in the first place he's talking about somebody being willing to die for somebody. But then he says, but whoso hath the world's good. Who's blessed with financial, material things in this life? And seeth his brother have need. He sees his brother in need, and what does he do? He shutteth up his bowels of compassion. He bottles up that deep down hurt in his bowels, that bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? We're talking about caring like Jesus cares. The Bible says, look, you know that God loves you because he was willing to die for you. You ought to be willing to die for the brethren. But he says, I want to go a step further. When you've got the material things of this life and you see your brother in need and you don't hurt for him, how can you dare say that it's the love of God that lives in you? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. There's no point. You see, we spend too much time talking about how much we love God and how much we love each other. That's not the kind of love. God says, the kind of love I'm talking about, I want you to care for each other like I care for you. I want you to be willing to die for each other. I want you, when you see somebody else that's in need, that's hurting, I want you to hurt inside for them. How can you have the love of God and not do so? The Bible teaches us a lot of things, and I sure don't have time to, to go to all of them, but... I want to share with you, when we care like Jesus cares, what happened to Christ when he was moved with compassion? We saw there in that passage a moment ago, in Matthew chapter 9, we saw how that it moved him to ask others to get involved, to pray, to get help for these people. Look with me, if you would, into the gospel of Matthew chapter 14. 
We don't have time to read all of these accounts this evening, unless you brought a midnight snack with you. Matthew chapter 14. Notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. Well, there it is again. And was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. You can keep reading on down, but you find out that Jesus was moved with compassion upon them. He was healing their sick. But then it goes on to say, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give you them to eat. And we go on down. And do you know, you've heard the story before. There was a lad there with five loaves and two fish. And the Bible says that in the end, uh, that Jesus took those five loaves and those two fish, and he fed 5,000 men plus the women and the children. We don't know how many above that it was. But you see, caring like Jesus cares. Now I know. If you look literally in the very next chapter, notice what it says in chapter 15. And notice what it says down in verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. You see, sometimes we get so hung up that we start talking about those that, those that have more need for the world's needs and the world's desires and the things like that. And we would often class it as a social gospel or something because they're reaching out to meet the needs. And there's things out there that are wrong. But what I want you to see, when we care like Jesus cared, when we see someone else that is hungry that needs to be fed, it should move us to action. It should move us to action. Folks, it really is a sad state of affairs. When we live in a city like we do, in this vast city of Birmingham, and there are so many people out there that don't know where their next meal is coming from, and yet we get so busy and so wrapped up in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't care. We don't hurt for them. When Jesus saw the hungry, he was moved with compassion upon them and he wanted to feed them and make sure he didn't want to send them away lest they faint along the way. We need to care like Jesus cared. It gets hard, doesn't it? How do you react? Am I on here? I didn't think so. Turn that on if I'm going to walk away from that mic. <laughs> How do you feel sometimes when you're maybe walking through the city center and you see one of those people that's sitting there, maybe they've got their coat laid out there. And sometimes, I'm not, I don't mean to be nasty, but sometimes you get a nice aroma of perfume before you even get to them. Because they maybe haven't had a place to even take a bath in, in weeks. They're sitting there asking for change and pennies. And how do you feel? Well, see, here, here's my dilemma many times like that. I, I do hurt for them. I feel for them. I think, wow, that could be anybody. 
But then I also have a problem because I know that a lot of those same ones that are there, I know it may sound cruel, but they're sitting there and they've got their pop or their beer or their wine and their fags and everything else that's all laying around them there and yet they're wanting me to give them money for food. You see, that bothers me because I don't want to give them money to go down and maybe buy more booze. Do something that's going to hurt them instead of help them. But I do want to do something to help them. <laughs> I can remember when we took our missions trip to Kenya. <laughs> I remember when we were out there on the streets and we were ministering, we were singing and we were preaching and we were passing out tracts. We were doing all these things. And yet there were some of these people that, you know, again, I don't know how to describe it to you because sometimes, sometimes we just don't grasp. We don't understand. I, I said when I came back, I wish, I wish every Christian from the West could go there and see what it really means to be hungry, not to have a place, not to have clothes on your back. I can remember when a couple of us were there and we were doing a tag team on the, on the microphone, on the preaching, and one preacher, he got a horse and he'd pass it to the next one and we'd pass it back and forth and went over and started talking to some of these people that were gathering there. And of course, we began to talk. It became obvious that, I mean, you know, sometimes people tell you, that they're hungry, but you're really not sure. It was obvious these people were hungry. <laughs> and I can remember taking him to a little shop around the corner, and first thing I did, I went around and bought him a drink and a, and a bit of food, and then there was another one behind him, and I bought him a drink and a little food, and then there was another one, and literally, within minutes, there was a queue. <laughs> a line, whatever you want to call it, whatever part of the world you're from. There was a bunch of them lying down the street there, and they were hungry. <laughs> They wanted something, just, just anything simple. <laughs> and of course, the problem is you can only feed so many. <laughs> but I can remember hurting for the wanted to be able to do so much more. Lord, you know. And we live in a society and we complain. And we grumble because we don't have this and we don't have that. And here's people that don't even have their next meal before them. I just thought, Garcia, I see you sitting there with your pen taking notes. It might be kind of hard because I don't have three points in a poem tonight. I really have one point that's caring like Jesus cares. <laughs> just looking at these passages, you see, when we care like Jesus cares, Jesus, when he saw the people, it moved him to action. You turn over a few pages further in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. And he tells us there, beginning down in verse 29, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. The multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. I mean, it's just two blind guys sitting by the sun. They shouldn't be bothering this important guy that's going by. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. 
You might say, preacher, but that was Jesus. I don't have the power of healing in my hands. I can't touch somebody and that's been blind and make them see again. No, I don't believe any human can make somebody see again. But God can do what he wants to. What I want you to see is that when Jesus had compassion on him, it moved him to do something about it. You can. When you see somebody that is struggling because maybe in this case they're not homeless and without food, but maybe because they have a physical disability that is hampering them in some way. I'm saying you can help them. And you can not only help them, you can take them to Jesus. Sometimes people say, well, you know, don't bother him with that. No, you can introduce them to the person that can change their lives. That can give them sight, not only physically, but spiritually if need be. I'm saying that when we see somebody, do we care like Jesus cares? Do we care enough to see that that disability is is taken care of in some way? We find that in the next book of the Bible, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, the Bible tells us once again, Mark chapter 1, notice what it says in verse 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. We find that if we look just a few chapters over in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, And if we begin looking down at verse 14, the Bible says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he penneth away. I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. In other words, here's one with his son that's possessed of an evil spirit. He answered, saying to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, what does he ask? Have compassion on us. And help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said to him, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. 
And of course, the Spirit cried. The Spirit, spirit left. Jesus took him by the hand. We find that down in verse 29, he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but, <clears throat> what's the next two words? Prayer and fasting. <clears throat> Here, the followers of Jesus, his disciples had already tried to cast this evil spirit out, and they couldn't. And this spirit obviously had a great hold on this, on this young man, and he had been that way since a child. But when Jesus had compassion on him, that's all the father was asking for was some compassion. He believed if Jesus had compassion on him, he would make a difference. He would touch him. He would heal him. He would help his son, which Jesus did. But what I want you to grasp is this. that so many times in this world, there are those around us now, I know sometimes we get kind of itchy when we start talking about demons and evil spirits because some people see a demon under every rock and some people want to blame everything on the demons and all of these things, but we better believe and remember there's a lot in the Bible about evil spirits. And I want to say to you clearly that there is only one thing to protect you or anybody else from the evil spirits. There was a third of the host of heaven that went out with Satan when he went. But I want to tell you, the only protection that you have is the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about them getting you when Jesus is there. They can't live where he lives. They can't come where he's at. Make sure you've got Jesus in your heart. If you don't, maybe you ought to be afraid. Maybe you ought to be worried. Because the devil wants you, I can promise you that. But the point that I want to make from this is Jesus had compassion. Jesus did it. But why had his followers not been able to do it? Sometimes it's not easy. He says, this is going to require some time with the Lord. This only happens through prayer and fasting. There was a time when prayer and fasting was a normal part of Christian life. But sadly today, Sadly, today we find that so many Christians, <laughs> they pray when things get hard. <laughs> they pray when they need help. They pray that general prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> but to have a real prayer life. There was a time when it was a normal practice of Christians. When there were serious things to deal with in their life, they would push the food away, the physical food. And they would spend that time. God's not asking for a sacrifice because you go hungry that he'll do something. He's not doing that. It's taking that time instead of filling your own needs for your own body to take that time with the Lord to accomplish something for him. This only comes by prayer and fasting. I'm not saying that. When, when was, what's your prayer life like? <laughs> when was the last time you really fasted for something because it was beyond your control, and you needed God to deal with this. See, Jesus was the only one that could get rid of that demon. Jesus is the only one that can get rid of any demon in anybody's life. But as Christians, we ought to care like he cares. When we see people that are hurting like that, we ought to care enough that we ought to be willing 
to get on our face before God, to push back the plate if we have to, to spend time prayer and fasting that they might be helped. They hadn't been willing. But you see, they didn't have the compassion that Jesus had. We find that if you look into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, Luke chapter 7. Notice what he says here again, picking up in verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, Weep not. <laughs> and he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. There came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And it goes on. What I want you to grasp is, again, it was the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ that he raised that widow's son, even from the dead. He cared. He told her, he said, quit crying. I'll do this for you. Do we care like Jesus cares? I know you can't raise the dead. Well, I haven't seen any of you raise the dead yet. <laughs> but I got news for you. Jesus is going to raise all the dead. <laughs> yes, he raised some physically while he was here, and there's nothing beyond his control. But do we have the compassion enough to care? Because we may be totally hopeless when it comes to those that die physically. But folks, we meet dead people every day of our lives. People that are spiritually dead. They couldn't be more dead. They're more seriously dead than many that are out there in the graves. That are alive because they know Jesus. That though they dead, they're dead, they liveth. But we need dead people every day of our life. But do we care? Do we care like Jesus cared? Well, I promise you this. He's the only one you can take them to. That'll be able to raise them from their deadness. I want to give you another two passages and we'll finish. Turn back to the book of Matthew again, chapter 18. Because this is where Jesus was teaching us something. This is where Jesus was teaching us. This gets down to just practical, everyday living. We need to care like Jesus cared. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, we find that we have a story here, and I won't read all the words, but I'll give it to you real quick and brief. You know it. Most of you have read it, I'm sure. Jesus saith unto them, I say not unto thee until seven times seven, but until seventy times seven, speaking of the forgiveness. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. How many times should you forgive somebody? There's no end to it. But then he goes on in that forgiveness, and he shows a very practical way of forgiveness. And he goes on, and this first one that he tells about here is, a, is somebody that goes to somebody, and he owes him 
10,000 talents. He owes him a huge sum of money, but he doesn't have anything to pay it with. And so he gets there and he falls down before him and he worships him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay you. Verse 27. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. <laughs> now, I don't know. That takes a pretty moving when somebody owes you a huge sum of money. They come to you. They don't have the money to pay you because he was moved with compassion he forgave him all of it. You don't owe me anything, he said. But then if you read on down, he goes down and this same guy, he goes out and somebody owes him money. But if I'm not mistaken, it's only a hundred pence that he owes him. And when he comes to him and he doesn't have the money, what does he say to him? <laughs> so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Oh, no. Verse 29. And his fellow servants fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Give me a bit of time. Have a little patience with me, and I'll pay you. And he would not. But when he cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. He had been forgiven so much. But you see, the first one had compassion. The second one didn't. The second one had greed. He just wanted what was his. And he had him cast into prison. And of course, it goes, Bible, Jesus is trying to teach us a lesson there. When we have compassion, when we care like Jesus cares, we'll be willing to forgive people the greatest debts. <laughs> he forgave us all. He forgave us the greatest debt ever. All of our sins, the death penalty we deserved. But Jesus forgave us. We know he loves us because he died in our place for our sin debt. And if you look into the gospel of Luke chapter 15, this will be our last one this evening. Luke chapter 15. Again, this is a familiar story. I won't go reading the whole thing. But I want you to look here that in, in this, there's a lot of things that are lost, but beginning in verse 11, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. The story of the prodigal son. <laughs> he had everything. But he threw it all away because he wanted what was right now. And he went out and he wasted it on the pleasures of now. And we find that there came a point when he was out there and he was literally out there in the pigsty with the pigs, eating the pigs' leftovers, what they wouldn't eat. And he says, what in the world have I done? He came to himself. He said, man, my father's servants are better kept than I am. But he knew. He knew that he didn't deserve forgiveness from his dad. 
But it says in verse 20, he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and what? And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father had compassion and was willing to forgive that son all. And he killed the fatted calf and he brought the best robe for him. And he did all these things. Why? Because he cared like Jesus cares. That's what Jesus does to us. <laughs> you know, we, we, we mess up bad sometimes. We falter along the way. We look back and say, God, I sure don't deserve your forgiveness. <laughs> I don't deserve to even ask anything of you. But you know what? Jesus, just like that father in that story, he's waiting with outstretched arms to show us mercy. Maybe you're here this evening. I just want you to realize that, first of all, if you've never realized it, nobody ever. What's the songwriter said? Nobody ever cared for me like Jesus. Nobody's ever cared for you like Jesus cares for you. And you know that. And he proved it. You saw it when he died for you. But he's saying we need to care like Jesus cared. We need to care for others the way Jesus did it. And folks, that's not all. That's just a few illustrations from Scripture. Matter of fact, that's just my introduction to my sermon. <laughs> the truth is, Jesus cares for you this evening. Jesus will meet whatever, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. There's not enough religious deeds. There's not enough anything that will change your life. But going to Jesus, experiencing his compassion, he'll accept you with open arms. He'll forgive you. Whatever it is that you owe your sin debt, he'll forgive you. I promise you, if you go to him. And Christian, my heart is just that we need to care like Jesus cared. And I'm, I'm afraid we don't. We don't individually, we don't as a church, we get so hung up on so many of the things, the issues and all these. Jesus has left us here in this world to care like he cares, to make a difference. We can speak all the right words. We can talk about how much we care and how much we love. But he says you can talk about that all you want. But how dare you say that the love of God is in you when you see those around you in need and you do nothing about it. I believe with all my heart, Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years ago, with 12 followers, turned the world upside down. <laughs> Today, that same Jesus lives and resides in each and every one of us as believers. Remember that great verse I told you about that just blew my mind in, in, in John chapter 14? I think it's verse 14, if I'm not mistaken, 12 or 14, might be verse 12. When he said, greater works than these shall ye do because I go unto the Father. Jesus, Jesus, with all the great miracles that he did, he said, greater than these are you gonna do because I go to the Father. Why? He goes on to say, because I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In other words, what Jesus was doing in one body on this earth, 
He wants to do through every one of us that will put our faith and trust in him. Jesus still wants to change this world. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to have church services and do religious things and, and do all these things that we do as a church. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to change people's lives. I'm saying this evening, we need to care like Jesus cares. If we cared like Jesus cares, I think our lives would be lived a bit different. I think we'd probably have a lot less empty seats in church tonight. <laughs> I think that we would see the difference. We have all the words. But I want to encourage you this evening, folks. You can care like Jesus cares when Jesus has the right place in your heart, when you're surrendered to him. When your all is his. Father, I thank you this evening, Lord, that even for this preacher when I was reading these passages, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to my heart fresh. And yes, part of that, Lord, was convicting me because I wish I could say that I care like Jesus cares, but Lord, I don't always. There's so much that needs to be done in this world. There's so many around us, just like those that we have just caught some glimpses of in Scripture tonight. There's so many around us, Lord, that are hungry, that are blind, that are lepers. Lord, those around us that are possessed of the evil spirits. Lord, the list goes on and on and on. Those that most particularly are dead spiritually. Father, I pray as we look about us, as we look upon the multitudes, help us to have the compassion that Jesus Christ had. Help us to care like he cared. Take our lives. Use our lives to accomplish your work for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.